0: Two hunters are reported missing in Bear Mountain National Forest. The Midwest sees the worst drought in 30 years. Civil unrest is imminent. The Northeast power grid has blacked out. Economists fear the worst with falling markets. In
1: other news, the pandemic has gone global.
0: It's episode 21 of Survival Tech. I'm Matt, and with me is Corey. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good, how are you? Oh, real good. We just got done recording a show. We're kind of doing this one a little bit backwards. Um, we had some uh, special guest hosts tonight with us. Um, you'll be hearing them in the interview here in just a little bit. Um, we've got uh, Mac and Ohio Beegler uh, helping us out. And uh, we're talking about fishing tonight. A little bit of a change. And, uh, not so much, you know, survival, you know, just, just, you know, pretty much just talking about fishing, uh, mainly, mainly for pan fish. Uh, we do get off the subject a little bit when we start talking about, you know, catfish and everything else, but, um, you know, we will have more specialized shows, you know, just for catfish later on. Um, and some of the other, you know, uh, you know, bigger game fish and, and sport fish. Um, but tonight we, we, Pretty much, you know, just do a little bit of an intro to fishing. Um, some of our favorite fishing stories. Um, we talk a lot about gear, um, you know, types of bait, you know, what we've all had good luck with and what we haven't. Um, and then we've we learned, you know, quite a bit. Um, uh, D Mac and, and a high bigler. Uh, his, his you know first name Sean and uh, you know, D Mac is is Dave, um, but we. Uh, You know, we're sitting there and we're talking with the guys, and, you know, I would consider them, you know, fishermen, whereas, uh, you know, I I can't speak for Corey, but I myself, I fish. Um, I don't take it real serious. You know, I'm a big catch and release guy. You know, when I do go fishing, and it's usually when I go fishing, I go fishing with the kids. Um, But we might have an opportunity to uh, get together with the guys and kind of go out a little bit and, uh, you know, hopefully have a fish fry uh, you know what what we were talking about in the interview. So that sounds like fun, doesn't it, Corey? It sounds like a great time. So, uh, but yeah, you know, definitely, you know, stay tuned to that. I mean, it's a lot of great information. Um, you know, we learned we learned quite a bit. And uh, you know, like I said, you know, I'm pretty much a um, you know a hook baiter and a fish taker offer. So, and uh, you know, the the one thing to remember about fishing. And, uh, you know, this is this is just great. And, uh, you know, take it with you and uh, think about this every time you do go fishing. Um, Corey? Corey? Yeah. Hey, Corey. What? Fishing is nothing but a jerk on one end of the line waiting for a jerk on the other. That is so true, and that is fishing. So tonight we're going into a uh, little bit of an intro on fishing, and uh, so let's uh, go ahead and get into it. But Corey, let's go ahead and start off with the intel report.
1: Sounds good, man. All righty. What
0: you're about to hear is confidential. The survival tech intel
1: report. I'm going to start the intel report tonight, uh, introducing some of our uh, new members. Um, we are up to 61 members, um, so that's great news. I'm glad How many? 61.
0: Wow.
1: So I'm very happy for us to uh, hit 61. Um, let's hope that uh, number keeps growing. growing. Um, I know we have more listeners out there, and uh, just don't forget to come over and uh, join the show and uh, join the community. And you can do that by going to uh, survivaltech.webs.com and uh, just clicking members. Um, sign up. It is free to sign up. We don't charge nothing, and uh, you can have a a chance to uh, voice your opinion and uh, win some cool stuff during uh, some of our competi- or our contest giveaways that we that we do quite often, <clears throat> <clears throat> or try to do as often as we can. Yeah. So with that, I'm going to uh, welcome our new members. We have uh, Lost at C three six nine, and they're from South Carolina. And We have uh, John. Um and he's from everywhere. And uh Prep one hundred from Iowa and Whale from France. So uh welcome to uh you know, the show all you guys and uh it's glad I'm glad to see, you know, more international members uh coming on. Uh yeah it seems second or third. Mad. Yeah, and a female exactly.
0: So, you know, definitely welcome and we can't wait to get you know, especially um you know, our other uh, our um other german um, member Christenfest. Um, uh, i i hope i, I i'm sorry if i 'm not pronouncing it correctly um, but Christenfest and uh whale we would love to hear uh your european take on some of these um you know- sur- survival topics that we're bringing up so uh yeah this is this is very exciting
1: for us yes it is and uh, with that i mean um checking on some of our activity that we've had, we've had seven thousand seven hundred and eighty eight downloads um since we started our new uh, uh a feed process and um we did that um earlier uh this year but uh that's that's amazing seven thousand um you know almost eight thousand downloads um on iTunes, and that's you know I, i'm ecstatic to see that number being so big and the last time I checked we were uh number 4 in iTunes um and when you just type in survival in the the category and bring it up in podcast um and uh one of them is uh the learn spanish survival guide so I'm not really do not really include that so that would make us number 3 so uh um I'm happy to to see our name right up in the you know top 5 um, a podcast because we really, you know, give this our heart and soul and when me and Matt are, you know, not doing this podcast and we're just hanging out and, and talking, and usually, uh, you know, this is, you know, this is what we talk about. <laughs> so even, you know, when we're not, you know, actually recording the show where well, this is still, still what we talk about. So, uh, I also want to remind everybody of our, uh, giveaway contest for the, um, the Defender Self Defense Tool. Um, it is the DVD. Uh, it's the starter kit. Um, it's a general public training DVD and a Defender One, a clear Defender One um, that was provided to us by uh, Master Peter Brusso in the interview that we did with him. Um, the contest you have to make your own improvised weapon. That contest ends next Friday night at midnight. Um, so you got one week to get this. Uh, get your weapon built and entered into the contest, and you can go to the website and find all the information on, you know, how how to upload it and what kind of, you know, uh, template that we're kind of looking for. Um, Matt has his up. And, yes, I uh, do. I want to uh, thank Matt for uh, being the first one to, to get his up and, and put in there. Um, I am still in the uh, building process of mine. I hope to have that finished and up this weekend. And um, Matt had the Hulk. Um, if you haven't checked it out on our website, it's got a nice video that goes along with it and uh, looks
0: like he's about to take his head off in one of the swings. <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> What I ended up doing is, is I ended up using um, uh, four sticks, uh, some paracord, and a sandstone rock. And uh, I ended up uh, tying up a monkey's fist And then I lashed um, Some sticks to it um, Went ahead and I processed The sticks down to sharp points um, And then I lashed them um, In all four directions uh, Around the rock um, So there was you know, um, uh, Eight spikes All the way around And the reason I lashed Them was So I could I could replace the sticks as they broke and as needed, um, without having it permanent, permanently, you know, weaved into the um, the monkey's fist. Because you know, once once the stick breaks and you either have to really find um, a stick of the same diameter to take up that space in between, I didn't want that to happen. So I just went ahead and lashed it, so it would be something that I could relash to it quick. And uh, add spikes back to it But I pretty much just made a paracord handle Um, I I used a a square weave um, For that And uh, made about a 4 inch handle And um, Then I went ahead and uh, I made a Pretty much just a a connecting rope And I sheathed it with A a paracord wrapping technique Um, And then I I put the monkey fist on it And then I, I lashed the spikes to it It's very crude but very effective um the first swing um i'm not gonna lie uh i was i was kind of nervous about it um because if those spikes didn't break i had the potential of you know spiking myself in the back so uh i didn't swing it as hard because i i, I still wanted to see it and and uh, you know swing with it you know as i did but uh it did exactly what i what I needed to do it uh I, I swung it at a gallon milk jug and um it opened it up pretty good and the spikes broke on the uh on the first hit and uh my wife coaxed me into hitting it a second time with it and uh you know I smacked it pretty good the second time and uh, um, the rock should have been a little bit bigger um uh, mainly in weight, uh, not necessarily size, but you know, to find a little bit of a of a denser rock, you know, that that would have you know helped out a little bit. But I tell you what, I would not want to be you know hit by it, and uh, and I nicknamed it you know the Hulk after my son's favorite superhero, and uh, you know Hulk smashes. So and that's what this thing does is you know Hulk smash. So. You know, definitely go on you know check out the story. I put a little story on it you know that's that's one big thing that you have to have. Um, you have to have a story on why you're building it you know what what situation you're in that, that is causing you to build this weapon and uh, you know like I said you know uh, a video is a plus um, but if all you can do is just pictures you know then that'll suffice as well. but you definitely need a, uh, a name of the weapon description of the weapon. And um you know, at least a you know picture of the weapon, if not, you know, multiple pictures of the build and then uh, the story that puts you in that situation. So uh definitely get on there and uh you know get those posted because uh we know a couple guys that um have built their weapons and they're posting them this weekend.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I think it's a good contest and uh it'll be uh voted on by uh matt and myself and uh peter brusso and uh we're gonna you know talk about uh the best you know story and weapon that was made and uh you know we are not eligible matt and i are not eligible um to win so uh it should uh should be pretty fun so i can't wait to see you know some of the more posts uh, start popping up and the one thing i want to end the uh the Intel report with is that um you know as many of you know or of you've been listening to us, we have um joined the uh cert um in our area uh, the community emergency response team, and uh Matt and I and uh, my wife um will be getting sworn in this uh, tomorrow morning um unfortunately uh Matt's wife um, has to work, so she will be unable to right yep she yeah she. Yeah, she my won't heart. be able to attend. Um, <clears throat> so uh, she'll be sworn in at a later date. But uh, we'll be sworn in and doing our first official um, team member training uh, session, uh, which we uh, go out and do a, um oh, my mind just went blank. Um, damage assessment? Thank you. Yeah, damage assessment. Um, there's a neighborhood that we're going to be going to. And, uh, most of the homes are going to be marked with some sort of damage. And we'll just be, you know, noting everything and, uh, and writing them down. And, uh, looks like, uh, our cert will be having, um, several different things popping up, uh, for us to be attending and, and additional training. Um, there's going to be a, uh, parade, um, for a, uh, local festival, fireman's festival, um, here in my town. And, uh, there will be needing, Cert is going to be doing the um traffic um directing traffic during the while the parade is going on. And I had volunteered to uh be doing that, so that should be fun and get some training on directing traffic. So uh you know stay tuned with us for uh upcoming cert information and uh we'll let you all know how everything's going with that. So without further ado, um let's break off and uh head to the interview.
0: All right, this is Matt and Corey, back with Survival Tech, and uh, we've got a special show tonight. We're using our conference call software here, and we've got two of our members in the forums. Um, we've got Ohio Beagler, better known as Sean, and uh, go ahead and say hi, Sean, so everybody can hear your voice. And- hey, what's going on, guys? And then we also got David Mack.
2: Gentlemen, how's everybody doing?
0: Doing Pretty great. Good. Pretty good. And tonight we're going to be talking about kind of the intros on fishing and uh, mainly pan fish. And uh, Corey and I, we fish, but these guys are fishermen. So um, we're just going to talk about some of the basics, kind of what to look for as far as finding a good spot, kind of what the best tackle to start off with and and uh you know just talk about panfish itself, which uh for those of you who don't really know what panfish are, um panfish is mainly a game fish that doesn't outgrow the size of a frying pan, exactly what it is. And uh a few of the common species of panfish include bluegill, crappie, sunfish, uh yellow perch, and pumpkin seed. And also rock bass is part of the uh, panfish classification. So, all right, guys, let's uh, go ahead and get into it. Um, Corey, you still got your your bamboo pole? Yeah, I still have it. It's hanging up in my garage.
2: Because that's
0: what a lot of us started off on, and uh, that's exactly what we started off catching was Bluegill. I just wanna thank you guys for uh coming on to the show and uh
1: doing this with us. I think it's gonna be a, a fun show and um I think it's gonna be a uh continuation show when we get into kind of more in depth and different species um you know, in later shows. I just wanna say thank for coming on and it's gonna be fun.
3: Yeah, I we're happy to be here. Nice. Thanks
2: you guys for having us. Having us.
3: I apologize in advance because my beagles are barking in the background, so uh,
2: <laughs> it, it's going to be what it is.
3: I'm hoping they stay silent for a little bit, but I'm not sure about that. We'll see.
0: Oh, don't worry about it, buddy. That's why you That's are on the Exactly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sorry, rabbit beagles, and yeah, we're out by the kennel and got a fire going and a nice cold beer and... uh just ate some broth over the fire, and we're ready to roll.
0: That sounds awesome. Wish uh, wish I could be out there joining you, that's for sure. You know, I'm too busy, you know, protecting my wife from possums, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there <So>. you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you guys want to
3: talk about with panfish? I mean, well, well, we're not necessarily experts on the panfish end of it, but uh, I, I'm sure that we can figure something out to chime in with you guys.
0: Well, um first thing to start is any of our other members that are big into fishing, like I said before, you know, uh I, I definitely know Sean is a lot more serious about fishing than what I could ever be. Um uh and for all of our other members out there, if you guys are um you know, specialists and certain types of fishing or whatever. You know, definitely, you know, send us an email and, uh, you know, get in touch with us or, or something. And, you know, this goes for, you know, different hunting um, shows that we're going to have planned. We're going to have some of these specialized shows where, you know, it's going to be about securing game and different types of game. Um, uh, Riley! You know. Yeah!
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry. I
2: tried to cover my
3: phone. I'm sure you came over on Dave's phone.
2: <laughs> oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs>
0: but uh yeah, all of our all all the other members, you know, definitely drop us a line and and uh if if you guys, you know, like cone hunters and everybody else, you know, let us know, you know, what what you like to go out and do and maybe we can have you guys on a show as well. Um I know uh I know Sean's you know really knowledgeable about fishing and everything, as far as, I think we ought to break it down into, uh, uh, like, two different two different kind of categories, you know, one dealing with, you know, what tackle to go out and get, um, just to, you know, start off fishing and where you're just worried about hand fish, and, you know, of course, you know, sometimes when you're, you know, going out, you know, strictly for, you know, bass or bluegill or whatever, you know, every once in a while you get lucky and you get a catfish and you, you can't you can't really you know stop that but um, you know we'll just talk about your know, basic starter tackle um, mainly with panfish in mind and then uh we'll talk about uh uh how to find a, a good location um, for panfishing uh because uh the types the types of fish that you're going after they live in different spots and, uh, so we'll just discuss that. And then if anybody has any fish stories at the end, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll talk about them and, and call it a show. Does that sound good, guys? <laughs> <It> sounds good. <laughs> My dog cooperates. It sounds awesome. Sounds good, yeah. man. Yeah. I think we
1: first start off with, uh, tackle because without tackle, you ain't going fishing. So that's, that's right. With tackle, uh, you know, there's several different reels out there to start off. You know, you got, you know, spin casting reels and spinning reels and bait casters and fly fishing. Um, I, myself, I just prefer the old spin casting push button. Uh Every time I try to use a bait caster, it ends up in a, uh, you know, bird's nest pretty much. So I kind of give up on that for a while. At least don't try to start using a bait caster when you're out fishing. I mean, you should practice before you should go out. But uh, what do you guys suggest? Is, you know, uh, maybe some, some different reels and how to use them, and uh, you know, for someone that's new or you know, introduction to fishing.
3: Well, with me anyway, I know Davey Max is different than I am, but uh, when I like when I go out and I'm using for bluegill, I prefer a closed face. It casts a lot smoother. You don't have to worry about the knots as much because you're not really fighting the big fish. So I prefer to use, I have a, uh, I think it's a Johnson. It's an old, ratty gold rod reel combo, which is terrible. Any other fishing, I would not recommend a rod reel combo. You buy, buy a rod for a rod, buy a reel for a reel. But that's what I end up using for my bluegill because it's it, it's bluegill. And I like to close fish. You can cast it out there pretty far, and it, it's, it, it works for me. Now, it may not work for other people. Bay casters, use a bluegill, you're throwing a lot lighter line. So I, I wouldn't recommend using a, you know, a bait caster for that. But, you know, each person's different. I'm like Corey, I'm not very good with a bait caster. So, you know, whatever you guys, whatever. Bluegill's one of those fish that you can just throw whatever you want to throw and it's it's going to be good to go. Oh my God, these dogs are killing me. <laughs> My neighbor's dogs are going and my dogs are going. And i block out of the field. <laughs> I'm kind of on
2: par there with Sean. I uh, I don't prefer the closed face. I, I use pretty much a spinning rod for almost every type of fishing I do. It's easier to fish with as far as I'm concerned. You can see what's going on with your line. Um, like Corey said, you know, the bait casters, you know, if, if you don't have any type of practice with that, it's uh it can end up being a disaster, and it can actually ruin your trip. I've had it happen. It's not that fun. Um, Bluegill and stuff like that, you know what I mean? You you, you know, you, you kind of get what you put into it. It's, uh, you know, you, you can go out and have a good time. You can, it's stuff you can take your kids to go out and do. Um, you know, you're, most of the time you're hooking a bobber on, putting on a live bait. And most times with live bait, you know what I mean, you're going to have a you're going to have a pretty good time with it. You're going to catch fish, you know, and if you're taking a kid out for the first time, it's a great thing to do, gets them interested. They're going to catch fish, you know, they're going to have a good time. Um, Other than that, you know, I don't do a whole lot of pan fishing. I'm more of a sport fisherman. I like smallmouth fishing and stuff like that. I do take my son out, you know, and we, we do go, you know, occasional pond fishing for whatnot, you know, bluegill, crappie, stuff like that. Um, and it is a good time. It gets people interested. It it's a good time. And nine times out of ten you're going to catch fish. So you know, that's that's pretty much what I have to add on that. I mean it's you know, like I said, you're gonna get into it what you put into it. So that's that's pretty much it on that.
0: Now, do you guys have you noticed any you know rod reel combos out there on the market right now that's a decent enough buy that could be something that somebody can go out and buy if they haven't been a fisherman, they'd like to try it, or if they're, uh, you know, buying something for their kids, um, like, like for instance, I myself, I've got about, I think four of the Zebco 202s. Um, they're how they're, fifteen dollars at Walmart, Meyer, you know, wherever, you, wherever you want um, to purchase. Your fishing pole. I mean, they've they've got those 202 packages. Um, they're not the best. They last, you know, a good, you know, four or five years if you take care of them. And then it's time to either upgrade or, you know, by that time, you know, if, if you're buying it for a kid, you know, you're they're ready to upgrade anyway, and, and either you know try a different reel. Um, but but I myself, you know, for for the money and you know for pan fishing. Um, you know, which is usually what I do with my kids because my kids are, are young. Um, you know, I, I haven't been able to find anything, you know, on par, you know, with a Zebco 202,
2: you know, for the price.
3: Yeah, I, like the I, rec- I would absolutely 80. agree there.
2: I mean, it, it's a, uh, Zebco, I mean, you're not gonna buy a bad rod and reel these days. Not that it's terrible. Not a, not for the recreational fishermen. You know, the technology of fishing rods and fishing reels have all obviously been updated since we were kids. We used to go out with our dads and had a Zebco 303, and, you know, that's all you had. Because, like a lot of people, my parents weren't real into fishing. It was more of a recreational thing. So it's, uh, you know, you can't really go wrong with any of those things. I mean, like I said, the technology of fishing these days is everybody's pretty much on par with each other. I mean, you can go expensive or you can go light. And, you know, if you've got a line in the water, chances are you're going to catch a fish. But, you know, and I'm sure Sean could add on to that. I mean, it, it's, it's you're going to get what you put into it, but when it comes to just putting a line in the water, if you got a line in the water, you got better chances if you don't.
3: Well, the way I look at it, I mean, a lot of people sit there and buy the Zepcos. Zepco's is a great rod reel combust. So Especially if you're trying to get a kid involved, or even for yourself. I mean, it, it's it's not necessarily heavy-duty enough if you're one to, you know, tackle into a 10, 12-pound, you know, channel cat or stuff like that. And I don't necessarily know if I'd use one when I'm trying to tear into a Fish Ohio smallmouth. But, you know, when it comes, if you want something just like an in-between solid rod that can handle a heavier line, can handle a heavier fish, the Zebco's all fine and dandy, but... The rhino comes out, like the rhino closed face, even the rhino open face. I have a rhino open face. A buddy of mine, Mike, has one. It's a great rod. A great rod-reel combo. I never used his rod-reel until years ago when we were down there. I forgot my fishing reel or my rod-reel, and I used his down there on just below Dylan's Spillway. And we were saw guy fishing. I use him. The ball bearings are very slim. I mean, it's not a real big ball bearing rod re- or real combo, but it's a good rod. And it's actually, it holds heavy enough line where if you want to go out bluegill fishing and have a good time, you're not going to obviously have an issue with that. But, you know, if you do happen to, you know, snag into something a lot bigger, you got you got a little bit of backbone, you got a little bit of meat on there when you're coming up and you're fighting the fish. So I like the the Zebcos are great. And they're easy, they're simple, they're great. But like the Rhino rod reel combo is actually a pretty solid rod. I have a rhino rod reel combo catfishing. Big heavy duty. I have thirty five pound test on it. It's a closed face, but it's real stiff. It's a nice rod reel combo, but you know, if if the normal fisherman I would get you open face for the closed face. You don't have to get the catfish raw with the glow tip, but it's a good, solid rod reel combo. But that's just my opinion.
2: Yeah, well, I sounds have to
3: good. Agree.
1: I, yeah. uh, I have the, uh, the same the rod reel combo for catfish, I believe. Um, and, you know, I absolutely love it. But when I'm, you know, just going for a bluegill or, you know, smaller fanfish, um I have a... Uh, Zebco micro trigger spin combo. Um, and that thing just works great. I mean, I just have, um uh, four pound, uh, Cajun line on it, I believe. Um, but I, I like the trigger spin, um, which has, you know, the trigger and the, uh, the reel is actually underneath the rod. Um, but that works, you know, great for, for anything I'm trying to do. It doesn't, you know, cast out real, real far, but then again, you know, most of the pawns are, um, lakes that I'm you know, casting out to, I'm staying near the bank anyways. Which is always uh, when when I go fishing, when I go even and you know, catfishing, which is mainly what I fish for is catfish. Um, I've, I've always thought it ironic that you know, when you're in the boat, you cast towards the shore, and when you're on shore, you cast out in the middle of the lake.
2: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's exactly that's so right, funny. that's exactly that's what That's a I great mean. analogy.
3: Mm -hmm. It is. It's exactly what I do because Dave and I are both really big cat fishermen, and Dave and I actually both get into tournaments. And I don't think we've not won money yet in any of the catfish tournaments we've been in. But yeah, you're right.
2: We do pretty good.
3: Yeah, you cast towards the bank, or you cast as far out as you can. That's that's a good analogy. Uh,
0: You guys haven't won any money because you haven't taken me with you. (laughs) <laughs> because I am the world's greatest good luck charm. I've been in a couple tournaments, and I fish next to my buddy. And I've sat there and fished with him all night long as he's, you know, casting out and reeling in just left and right. And I've got my line, you know, 10 foot away from his using the same bait and everything else. So when I go fishing, I'm usually just a good luck charm. And I'm also the uh, fish taker offer and the hook baiter,
2: so. Well, it's kind of like Dave
0: and I, because every time we go out,
3: I sit there, and we'll go out and pre-fish, and I'll catch all the fish. You don't catch a damn thing. And then when we go out in a tournament, he's the one that carries my butt, so it (laughs) is the way it is. It's the same thing. It's awful. (laughs) Yeah. That's
2: that's why they call it uh, fishing and not catching, you know what I mean? Sometimes sometimes the luck falls in other people's directions, and, you know, that's kind of what it is, I mean pan fish or any kind of fish and you know they, that's that's what's great about it you know they it, it's supposed to be fun and you're supposed to go out and have a good time while you're doing it and as long as you're doing that you're going having a good time you know <laughs> that's what makes it fun that, do
0: that you guys have any do you guys have any certain brands of hooks and everything else like like what would be a good starter kit um you know as far as hook sizes and uh you know Different sizes of bobbers or types of bobbers, you know, somebody should really look for. But wouldn't it be best is just to buy, like, one of the, the, you know, plano, you know, prepackaged kits or something that you can get right off the shelf and, and, uh, but, you know, just to, just to start with and then add to?
2: Well, to, to me, it, it kind of depends on, uh, I guess where you're fishing. I do a lot of river fishing. Well, at least I used to, before I had a a little boy. We, we don't get to seem to get out as much. But, uh, um, for river fishing, you know, you know, it, it, don't, it, it ain't the same as pond fishing or lake fishing. It ain't the same thing. You're usually out in the creek. You're doing a lot of wading. And, uh, I have the best luck with artificial lures. Now, I also have friends that go out and drag a minnow bucket behind them and have a great time. Hook size, I mean, that's kind of dependent on what you're fishing for at the same time. If you're fishing for bluegills and, and whatnot, you know, you're going to be fishing with a smaller hook. Um, probably around, I don't know, what do you think, Sean? What? Size that's hook.
3: What I think sit i sitting here listening to my dog barking the entire time we're doing this
2: podcast.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening to you.
2: Uh, I don't know. I, I guess a, a good size hook would probably be around like you know five or six foot, something around like that. Maybe even smaller. <laughs> I mean, four. and it really does. I mean, you know, where you're going really determines what you're taking with you. Um, if I was to to put together an all around pack for any type of fishing, you know, I'd have some. I don't know. I guess I would call medium sized bobbers. Probably one one and a half inch size bobbers. You know, those, those old-fashioned red and white bobbers do the same as the the fancy bobbers with the glow sticks on top of them and, you know, anything else. Um, you know, the, the glow stick bobbers are obviously more for night-type fishing, and you're going to get what you put into them. I've had the sling at bobbers. I've had, you know, the round bobbers like I'm talking about. I, I've had all kinds of bobbers. They pretty much all do the same thing. They keep your line where you want it and at the depth that you want your hook at, so... It, like I said, it really depends on what you're fishing for. I mean, obviously, on a lake, you're going to be fishing a little bit deeper, depending on where you're fishing at on the lake. I mean, if you're in the shallow part of it, you don't want your line just dragging the bottom. Or, if a, you know, if you're in the river, you also want it shallows there, there too, because you, most of the time, rivers ain't as, ain't as deep. But to me, it's a, it's more about where I'm at and what I'm doing. So
3: Yeah, see, with yeah. me, you know, I sit there. I carry two tackle boxes. I mean, if I'm going out catfishing, I carry my catfish tackle box, and that consists of nothing more than weights, hooks, and yeah, that's it actually weights and hooks. And if I'm going bass fishing, bluegill fishing, stuff like that, I'll carry another one. When you're going pan fishing and stuff like that, I just go into Walmart. and I just buy the snelt hooks, you know. You get in that big old plastic, you know, just junky plastic with the cardboard. It has a bunch of different size hooks, assortment hooks. And that's that's what I carry. And I just throw them on a, you know, I, I tie them on or I'll put them on a, uh oh crap. I can't even think of what I'm trying to say. But you know the little clip there that sits there, and I—that's what I use now. If I'm going to do an all-round solid pack, big fish bite small hooks. Small fish don't bite big hooks. I mean that's that's what it is. Now catfishing wise, I use Gamakatsu octopus circle, octopus circle, not just octopus, not circle, but octopus circle.
2: <laughs> they're
3: they're Gamakatsu is I call them the gonna catch you hooks. And they don't bite them. They literally, your rod will bury. Like, they just, they hammer you. That is all I will use. I have used so many different hooks when it comes to, like, catfish, but I will never go back after trying these hooks. But when it comes to, like, the bluegill and stuff, the smaller is better, but they kind of get in the habit of swallowing the hooks, which stinks. So you're pretty much going to kill the fish a lot of times. So if you can find a happy medium, you know, that has a c- couple barbs on it, you're good to go. And that's that's kind of what I look for when I'm, you know, pan
2: fishing and stuff like that. I, I want to add, too, I mean, you know, there's a lot of artificial lures and whatnot you can use for pan fish just like you can for largemouth and small mouth and anything else. I mean... You can go out with, like, rooster tails and, you know, uh, twirly tail jigs and stuff like that, and you can catch these panfish or any other fish on these same lures. I mean, you're not necessarily limited to a hook and a worm or anything else. I mean, you can manufacture whatever you have on you probably that sparkly and shines and flutters through the water a little bit to catch fish. I mean, it it, it isn't necessarily set to one point in stone here, you know what I mean? Obviously, you're going to have right. better luck with uh, live bait, but, I mean... That is what it is. I mean, what it are is you driving. guys
3: act, are you guys talking about the rock bass in this one too?
2: Yes,
0: yes. Rock basses.
3: I tell you what, water. rock bass. Cam if fish. you fish the river or a creek, rock bass. The best thing I have noticed was their rebel crawdad. It's a rebel crawl. It's a small red little crankbait. It's it's a rebel crawdad that I will tear up. The rock bass on. Now, once I switched to an inline spinner, I would catch, you know, fifteen smallmouth to one rock bass. But with that rebel crawl, it was almost opposite. Now, there are days where you can tear into the smallmouth on those. But if I'm going out, you know, in a creek, I'm looking for rock bass. I hear they're delicious. I've never eaten them. They a are little good. rebel crawl, Dad. Red, red rebel crawl. It's it's a short. Don't get the real big ones. I can't think of the ounce of them. But the smaller ones are just absolutely dynamite, and you will still happen onto your smallmouth or bluegill or stuff like that, and because that's basically their diet when it comes to you know a stream or a creek is crawdads and minnows and you know stuff like that.
0: Well, I tell you what, if since you haven't had rock bass, I strongly suggest next time you get a catch of, of some smallmouth or some rock bass. Um, Definitely go ahead and keep them. Corey and I, we had, we went out with our cousin. Uh, when we were all shoot. we were younger. Uh, I was probably seventeen, and um, it was you know quite a few years ago. But we just slayed the rock bass, and we caught it. Um, uh, believe it or not, out of a private pond that was stocked with them, and uh, we ended up having a rock bass um, cookout. And we just grilled them up, and man, they are fantastic so and i'm, I'm
3: not I, you're excited. not the only person i've ever heard say that how good they and are i'm like not that I've never had them
0: now i I don't mind fish every once in a while to eat, but i'm not you know where fish is you know a definite part of my diet you know it takes special kinds of fish for me to to even be able to to try it, and uh you know that's why you know with all the the canned fish post that I've been trying and everything else, you know, it's, it, it, it takes a little bit of nerve to, you know, choke down that first bite just to make sure that you know it's <laughs> not going to come back up, you know? Um, but, but yeah, rock bass is, is really good and Corey can attest to it. You know, we, we had a one hell of a cookout with them and, uh, you know, it's just, it, all we did, uh, to prepare them, um, was, uh, you know, we made you know small little fillets out of them. You know, we didn't really worry about cleaning them. We just you know flayed the sides, and and there was there wasn't a lot of meat, but we caught enough to you know have have a uh, a decent sized meal. You know, with uh, uh, pouch potatoes and everything else. And for those of you who, you know don't know what pouch potatoes are, you just take tinfoil and uh, cube up potatoes and uh, throw some butter in there and whatever else you want, and uh, you just cook them on the grill. Or uh, you know, right over coals, or you know, whatever, and uh, yeah, they they kick ass. You know, the potatoes get real smoky and all, but they go great with uh, with fish. So,
1: if I remember right, we had rock bass, and we had rock bass and uh, frog legs that night.
0: Yes, because we did go frog gigging too. That was the yeah. first time we went frog gigging. So. But yeah, That's that would... something I've
3: never done. I actually just, a buddy of mine's getting ready to ship out for the military, and he gave me like three of his frog gigs. So it's, I'm not it's a big fun, frog man. leg guy, but it sounds like a party just getting them because I know a lot of people that will not eat them. So I've never been, yeah. and I, I plan on maybe going here at some point.
0: So have, have you had frog legs before,
3: Sean? Yeah, I've had frog legs at a Chinese okay. restaurant, if you want to call it frog legs.
0: Yeah, because I was be gonna say that. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I was gonna say. You know, try it at that that Chinese restaurant over over yonder there, and uh, you know, it's what 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 you end up preparing is about ten times better than what that is. So if you can choke that down, then uh, then you'll like you'll like frog legs because. Uh, when what what I remember, it's like
3: fishy chicken. It's 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 not. It's a combination between the two, and then, and I don't know if you guys ever had alligator. Alligator is like chickeny fish. It's like the opposite. It's, <laughs> it's, it's it, that's the best way to describe alligator if you've ever had it. It's the opposite of frog legs.
0: <laughs> oh, shoot. That's great. But yeah, yeah, oh, frog legs, they're, they're not bad, you know, especially, it's all in how you prepare them. You know, and there's, there's plenty of recipes out there. But um, as far as live bait, um, you know, everybody uses, you know, go and grab some night crawlers and, and go. When we're, you know, fishing for panfish, um, I've used uh, mealworms, and um, I've also used shrimp. Um, have you guys found any, other, well, I guess, you know, shrimp's not really considered live bait because, you know, it's already, you know, just frozen salad shrimp. Um, but what other baits have you guys used and tried that uh that you guys have had luck with? Wax worms. I've you know, I'm uh hand fish <laughs> wax worms, that's all I will use.
2: I've used uh I've used them numerous rounds of things. Um I've used uh locust. When you when you've had a good hatch on the locust, you know what I mean? The uh the real big bugs that buzz real loud. Right phenomenal. I mean, it, it's probably one of the best bait, bait attractants I've ever had. Um okay. catawba worms. That's another one growing catawba trees. You, you catch them during, you know, the, the early spring, early summer, around that time in area. It, it depends when they hatch. I mean, they're great, great baits. Crickets, um you name it. I mean, when you're talking about a panfish, you know, the panfish, they're pretty much, uh, they're opportunistic. You throw something yep. in front of their face and it wiggles around, they will eat it. You know what I mean? So th- there isn't really too much bad things you can throw in front of them that they won't eat. It just kind of, you know, depends on what time of year it is and whatnot. There's plenty of bait fish around and they're plentiful. You get a little bit of trouble with the bite. But uh, other than that, I mean, anything that wiggles, live bait-wise, you can't throw anything bad in front of them.
0: Yeah, believe it or not, we went out... Um fishing and we forgot bait um we did have bread with us um because we were gonna you know feed the ducks which uh is a definite mistake for anybody that has ponds around you and whatever you know (laughs) we have one pond over by us and uh it's uh (laughs) we all call it shitty pond and uh (laughs) shitty lake and you know If you have any type of food, you know, the ducks and the Canadian geese they will absolutely attack you to try and get it. But uh so we uh we forgot our bait and we had our poles and everything. We we're really looking forward to to fishing and uh we didn't want to go and get bait, so we ended up and I mean hell we could see the bluegill in the pond. And um we ended up using bread balls. And we took bread and, you know, rolled it up, you know, between our, our, uh, thumb and our forefinger, our fingers and, and, uh, balled it up and man, put it right on the hook and how we were, we were catching all kinds of them. And, uh, so yeah, David Mack is right. They, you know, panfish are, you know, opportunity getters. You know, once, once they have it, you know, right in front of them, they they should bite and, you know, if, if, if it's not a pond that's, that's heavily fished, you know, you're going to have a hell of a lot more luck.
3: I remember when I was a little kid, we, me and my, well, my mother's family, my parents and everybody, we went up to Lake Erie, went out on the fishing charter. Long story short, I puked my guts out. Well, anyway, I was, I don't know, seventh grade, and I don't even say, I was sixth grade, and I remember there was a swimming pool at the condo that we were staying at, and it had like a stream around, you know, just man-made rocky stream around. They had a bunch of those hybrid bluegills in there. You know, the ones with the big mouth but short body. And Mm -hmm. I I was doing that. I, I was out there. I couldn't catch anything in the lake. I was out there waiting, trying to catch fish. And, you know, I didn't know what anything I was doing. So I started just taking... Dough balls and tossing out, catching all these. I mean, just tearing up these bluegill. I wasn't keeping them; when I was catching and releasing. I remember the manager of the condo just coming out, just raising hell with me because I'm catching these fish in this little creek thing. But yeah, it just it's probably the people sat there and fed the bluegill those, you know, bread and stuff like that, and I I took. Uh, I took advantage of the situation,
0: and I was getting yeah. the crap out of them. Hey, Corey, haven't you used uh, different types of bait, too? Like, uh, was it you that was telling me that you used uh, cut-off hot dog at one time? Yeah, but I used that more for
1: when I was catfishing. Okay, and I'm sorry. Yeah, not, not so much panfish, but...
2: Yeah, I've heard
1: uh,
3: hot dogs. A lot of people have used hot dogs. Oh my god, my dogs. A lot of people have used hot dogs when it comes to catfish. I've never even tried it. I'm not saying that it don't work. And I know people have caught it, but I, I've just, it's one of those I've never tried. Hey, Dave, why don't you come up into my garage? Sorry, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no problem. No problem. No problem. Not bothering us.
2: <laughs> it's bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> go now ahead. I'm sorry, uh, guys. For fan, fish,
0: I've
1: really only used you know night crawlers and waxworms and millworms, and i you know I prefer to get waxworms, but a lot of the places I'm finding that I've been stopping, they've only had millworms and and night crawlers. so I've been stuck with those um, uh, we went out earlier in the year, and both boys caught their first fish um I think it was actually the same fish uh <laughs> a small little bluegill, but you know they caught on a uh uh millworm. So, but i as far as any type of artificial bait, I've never really used any, uh, never had any real good luck with it for fishing for any species. But, uh, that's just because I'm, you know, I would assume I'm just a novice and haven't put that much time and effort into it, I guess.
3: Yeah, i so for
1: catfish. I, I always use shrimp for catfish. Shrimp or shad or.
3: That a friend of mine actually he he doesn't like touching worms i I don't get it. he's a fifty year old man just doesn't like touching worms, but he uses artificial lures for bluegill, and he will out he will kick my butt toe to toe from a wax worm to his artificial. It's a real short i I'm trying to look for my tackle box. I think it's in my butt worm, but it's a short. Green worm that you know the the worms that you buy that already have the hooks in them. Yeah, and that's what he yeah. uses on bluegill. Destroys me. He will catch more fish than I will, and I'm using live bait. So I, it, it's especially when it comes to bluegill. I mean, he will light me up. He'll light me up on bass too. But you know, bluegill to me is we go out. He's got a nice stock pond. Bluegill to me is I like sitting down, having nice cold beer next to me, cast out my little worm and bobber, and just kind of sit there and relax. But yep. he's, he's very serious about it. Like he wants to catch them and eat them, I catch them and release them. But And he catches more than I do because he, he doesn't want to touch worms, and, you know, he's taking it a lot more serious than I am. So I know artificial bait will probably outfish live bait, as crappy as that sounds, but that's just
0: the way things are now. Is it, is it because of the sense that they're putting in to the bait, into the baits,
2: into the
3: lures? all? I, I don't know if it's the scent or it's the action or the fact that, you know, I don't know about you guys. I'll cast my bobber out there and let it sit for 20 minutes. You know, this is at least moving because you get into that on catfish. I mean, you grab the active fish and move on. I'm assuming bluegill's probably the same way. You grab the active fish and move on. And if you're constantly casting and constantly covering different area, you'll be grabbing different fish that are hungry, ready to eat, and bite that hook. I don't know if that's the truth, but if I was a betting man, which I kind of am, I would say that's what it is. You grab the active fish and move on. Instead of just sitting there and letting your bobber and your worm disintegrate, you know, these active fish are biting, you, you keep casting and just, you know, moving areas because you don't cast in the same spot 35 times and grab and move on. And and there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually a great way to fish. That's actually a better way to fish if you're trying to put, you know, food in your stomach.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, see, I'm a lot like Corey. Um, never had any real luck with lures and, uh, you know, artificial baits. After some of the baits that you guys have been talking about tonight, I'm, I think I'm going to try it again. And those, those crawl dads, that's, uh, that's pretty neat. That's pretty interesting because I, I really do like rock bass. And, uh, uh, I think on my next fishing trip out, I'm going to go and get some of those and, uh, you know, see what we can do. So. So I'll show you kind yeah, of cool. get Dave and do that. When, and actually, we're all local here,
3: so we can all get right. together and to put on a clinic for you how to catch smallmouth and rock bass in the river. So, Oh, that'd be great. We can all get together and do a wade trip sometime. Oh, that'd be great. Game.
1: I'll do a uh, big fish fry afterwards. I'll bring my uh, you know, turkey deep fryer and set it up for fish.
3: And- a big old fish fry. There you go. Like I'm awesome. I'm pretty much right in the middle of all of us, so we right. can just do it here.
0: That sounds good, man. Sounds good. And we'll videotape it and uh you know show everybody on the on the members page, you know, us having a good time.
2: <laughs> wish there you were you here. <laughs>
0: wish you were here and drinking a beer. Yeah, right.
3: so frosty Tops and let's go
0: so guys when when we're looking for oh, i'm sorry Corey, go ahead i was going to jump to a different topic and go ahead
1: what kind of sinkers do you guys prefer to use because i've been
2: good you know, to mind about a lot uh go ahead. you know sinker wise i you know a lot of times i don't use sinkers when i'm that type of fishing um you're not looking to get real deep. If I'm using sinkers, it's usually to get further out so I can get more weight on my cast. Just just to get further out, if I'm looking at a hole, I feel like this is a good spot. That's usually where, you know, I'm looking towards, you know what I mean? Other than that, I try not to use sinkers for that type of fishing. It, it, to me, it doesn't do anything. If you have any type of bait on the hook, it usually sinks to where, you, to where you're looking to get. And most of the time, pan fishing, you know, you're... uh If if you're catching panfish and you're in that area, the the, the bait barely has to hit the water and something's lighting it up. So, to me, it's not really. I I don't really use a lot of sinkers, I guess. And if I do, it's usually like the uh, split shots. You know, you're just pulling out a couple, tying on your line. You're getting a little farther cast out to where you need to get. Um, one thing I did want to add, you know. I have did a, quite a bit of crappie fishing here in the past, and one thing you got to look for is sometimes predatory fish come into an area, and you'll be catching fish and catching fish and catching fish, and all of a sudden, the bite just drops off. And it's not because you've caught all the fish in the area. Sometimes there's a, there's a predatory fish in the area, and it's literally scaring all those type of fish away. So, you know, if that happens, don't don't think you're doing something wrong. You know, sometimes there, there's other stuff going on underneath that water that, that you can't see. I had it happen to me two years ago. I was in Hoover Reservoir fishing, and uh, me and a friend of mine, we were, you know, we probably caught 40, 50 crappie. We weren't keeping none of them. They weren't real big. But uh, the bait dropped off, and, you know, nothing was happening. No movement in the water. Nothing was going on. And all of a sudden... My my bobber just starts twinkling away, just just dropping off just like it was a small bluegill. I set the hook on it and it ended up being about a thirty six inch gar on my line and you know it kind of came a lot to me right there, saying you know huh, it ain't something you're doing wrong it it's it's what's in the water around here, and you know sometimes what you're fishing with might attract you know larger fish, predatory fish that's coming in the water towards you and and you know, you're not going to catch anything if they're around because they literally scared away all the bait fish. So, you know, I just wanted to add that and let people know, sometimes it's not what you're doing, it's what's in the water.
0: Now how was the fight on that gar?
2: Uh, it was pretty amazing. Uh, I was fishing with uh, a six-pound line and, uh, (laughs) pulled it all the way to the bank and, uh, you know, I fought it for probably 10, 15 minutes and I got it all the way to the bank and, uh, horse it up on the bank and, uh. Right when my buddy reached down to grab it by the gills, it uh, thrashed, snapped the hook, and I uh, never got to take a picture with it. Oh, man. Typical story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I once caught a fish this big.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what type of story it is.
3: See, I've had similar issues with gar because, you know, my parents have a place down in South Carolina on Lake Marion, which is Santee Lakes, which is, oh, my God you know, catfish lakes. It's massive, massive monster catfish, and I've had some catfish stories down there, but I've ran into a lot of situations. I've never caught a gar up here, but I have caught several down there, and I've been out on a drift where you can use pretty much unlimited rod out there, and I've been on a drift like on a charter where you can look over the side and just see your the gar swimming through the water right on top with, you know, four or five hooks in his mouth. He just goes up your bay line, just snag, sack, sack, and just hits it all the way up. But, uh, I know down there, I'm not condoning what they do, but, you know, I've been out catfishing off the pier, you know, there on the lake, and just hanging out on the boat type thing there at the dock, not wanting to go out at night. And seeing that... All of a sudden, you're catching catfish, and then you don't have any catfish. And then your your rod will just run, just like a flathead run. Just run, 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 run. And you flip the bale and wait till he pulls you down. I mean, he's running straight away from you. You set the hook, nothing, nothing, nothing. You have that two, three times, and finally you'll hook up, and it will be a gar. Well, see, down there, they don't like gar. And, you know, I, I've always been, I guess, a dumb Yankee, which they refer to me, you know, quite frequently. You know, I'll sit there, and catch the gar, and I'll turn the gar loose. Well, down there, they want you to, you no, know, you throw it up on the bank, you kill the gar, you do all that stuff, just to let it go because you're running the catfish out of the area. And like Dave said, you know, that's, that's actually, you don't know what's going on underneath that water. You'll be catching catfish, and then all of a sudden, nothing. And then you hook up on a gar. And it's just a predatory fish coming in, and you know, their views on gar is different than you know. I if I'm not going to eat it, I'm going to turn it loose, and that's just the way I've been raised and the way I fish. But down there, it's a totally different. Bogue, and that's just the way they are. I must say they're all that way, but it, it happens quite a bit down there, and it's it's not necessarily right, but you know, it is the way they do it, and. You know, you can you can lead a fish or a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. They can. They're going to do whatever they want to do, and you might say it's okay, you might not. But yeah, you don't know what's going on underneath that water. And Dave is exactly right on that end. Yeah,
1: wow, a couple years else. ago. A couple of years ago, we were up at uh, Dillon Dam, and uh, a buddy of mine that I was with, he was uh, catching. Chad at the spillway using net and uh, pulled up a, uh, we didn't measure it, but it was a gar out of the net. I thought that was pretty cool, because I'd never seen one real life before. So that was my first time experience with a gar, but yeah, he netted it at the spillway.
2: Yeah, I've never there's, seen there's, a gar. A bunch I've seen of gar
3: here in Ohio, but I've never caught one. But the ones I've seen has been pretty small. The one... I've caught a topple down south, and the one the biggest one I've caught is like 36 inch, which I actually got him up and I laid him across the boards. I always threatened to like take the picture and go get a mount because that'd be the coolest mount in the world, this gar swimming with his mouth open, all those teeth, you know. But I've just never. Well, I didn't want to spend the money because I'm cheap, but that's that's pretty much how that works. But I know they're in these
0: waters. I've just I've never had an opportunity to catch one. Well, that's one thing that we're going to have to do is uh, uh, get a fishing forum up on the website, which I'm kind of surprised hasn't been started already. Um, and, man, I would love to see the picture of that car.
3: I got it somewhere. I got to find it. I got to get the old lady to dig through the uh,
0: the, <laughs> the uh, photo album and find it for me. No, that's cool, man, because I know, I know we've talked about it in the past. You know, you're going to get mounted and... And uh, man, they're they're doing some neat stuff with with mounting anymore. You know, being able to take your picture and then you know start to size it. Next thing you know, they've got a model of it, and and hell, you know, you don't even need the fish anymore.
3: No, yeah, you don't. And that's it's great conservation.
0: They don't
2: it really is. And, go ahead. No, it, it, I just wanted to add. You know, it's great conservation. You, a lot of people, you know, you, you don't have to eat everything you catch. I mean, obviously in, in different situations, you know, you need to do what you got to do. But for the most part, I'm more of a catch and release fisherman. I like, it, it's more of a recreational sport to me and the fact that, you know, I like to go out and catch fish again. Um, you know, a lot of people, they, they catch these big fish and they take them home. And, you know, they might have them out, but so they might just eat them, which is, which is completely fine. You caught it, it's your fish, you can do what you want with it. But uh, to me, I like I like to have a chance to maybe catch again after it's gotten a little bigger. So uh, if, if you ever catch a big one and, you know, you're not feeling too great about keeping it or whatever, you know, pull it out, take some pictures, take some measurements, turn it in. You know, they can re- recreate it almost to the exact specifications of what you caught, you know what I mean, and you don't have to, you know, harm anything or kill it. And, and I'm not against it by any means. I just, you know, you know, around Ohio here, it, it's nice to go out and, hit some nice fisheries and catch some fish, and, you know, you, you don't get that too many places. So, you know, if you can preserve it, preserve it. If, if you don't want to, that's fine. You know, that's your deal.
3: CPR, catch photograph release.
0: That's right. Now you're going to eat it. <laughs> yeah. Now, have you guys checked into the, in the mounting, or, you know, around this area? I know prices vary state to state and, you know, community to community, you know. Um, but... Have you guys checked into, uh, you know, about what it costs, either, you know, per inch or or per pound of a fish? You know, do you know what they go by?
3: I know when I was looking in, and it's been a long while ago, not necessarily that long ago because I'm pretty young, but it's been probably five, six, seven years ago. I was looking into recreating my gar, and I I think, don't quote me on it, high point taxidermy was like $8 an inch. So, you know, when you start sitting there thinking about eight dollars an inch don't sound like much. Well we've got a thirty six inch fish. Now you're starting to talk into a deer mount range, you know, to get a get it recreated and redone. And when you you know, if you get a buck and you want to get it you know, mounted, yeah, it kinda of like cuts your budget a little bit. Right. So oh that's, uh, that's the last I seen was it was like eight bucks an inch and it's been several years ago. It might be higher now.
0: I don't know.
2: I mean it's
0: you know, just like you said, you know, it, it's not bad when when you think about it, but it does add up. But I'm I guess I'm I'm still in that in that thought process of you know, eight bucks an inch, you know, really isn't that bad yeah, you know, 'cause Because something that that uh, you know I would have mounted, you know, it, it wouldn't <laughs> it wouldn't be you know a trophy to a lot of people. But you know, if it was big enough for me to go wow, you know, it'd be it'd be worth it. You know, uh, you know, make it you know turn around, and sing at you, and all kinds of cool shit. <laughs> <laughs> the way it look,
3: I mean, honestly, the way it is. Same thing with deer hunting. Same thing with any other turkey hunt it doesn't matter a trophy is what you make of it if that is a trophy for you good for you god bless you you got what you wanted congratulations so it doesn't matter if you catch a 16 inch bass you think is really badass and you go ahead and get him mounted. A the trophy is what you see in it and that's any deer any
0: turkey any fish period yeah my father-in-law down in tennessee Went down to visit him and, uh, him and his wife. And when we got down there, uh, you know, drove all night and everything. Got down there, you know, slept for about two hours. And, and he was real excited because we we're going to the taxidermist. And, uh, so we go out and, man, we're going, we're hitting all these back, back roads. And I mean, you know, we're looking, we're seeing farms and everything. And he's like, yeah, it's for sale if you guys want to move down here. Yeah, that one's for sale. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking 50, 60 acres, you know, where 10 acres is farmland and the rest is all just wooded and rolling hills and, you know, r- beautiful places. And he's like, yeah, that one's $60,000, and that one's, you know, f- you know 55000 He's like, yeah, you're pretty much buying the land and the house comes with it. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, but, I mean, you know, it was way back in, you know, the back country. And... Uh, so we, we end up getting to this taxidermist, and, uh, you know, he, he's telling us about this fish. You know, oh, I, got, I caught this fish. And, uh, you know, he went ahead and, and he had it mounted. And, uh, he was so proud of it, and he brought it out. A man, the taxidermist, he's been doing it on the side for years, you know, but, I mean, it's, you pull up, and the guy's got two double wides. One double wide was his house. The other double wide was a shop. And, uh, so we go into his taxidermy shop there, and he's got all kinds of stuff, you know, just stuffed and mounted everywhere, and, and uh, brings out my, my father in law's fish, and, you know, he opens it up, and it's, it's a, uh, it's just a bass. And, uh, you know, it's not real
2: super big,
0: you know, it's like, you know, five, six pounder. And, uh, He's like, so, uh, why did you want me to, you know, mount this again? He's like, it's, it was because of a vet. Um, the guy said there wasn't any big fish in this pond. And when I pulled this thing out, they couldn't believe it that, you know, because, you know, that was, you know, considered the big fish. And, uh, you know, because everybody else, you know, pretty much, you know, pulling out, you know, real small bluegill and, you know, so the whole time everybody's been, you know, giving each other shit that, you know, there's, there's not a decent sized fish in this pond. And sure enough, my father-in-law pulled one out and just to prove a point, he went ahead and had, to, had it mounted. So, so it was his trophy. So it was, yeah. it was pretty funny, but man, the guy did good work. And, and if I remember right now, he did, um, take the fish and I want to say it was like 180 bucks for that amount. Uh, yes, see, I caught a muskie
3: last year. I caught a muskie down at Salt Fork here in Ohio. I forgot you guys got it. out of country, out of state people. Caught a, a muskie. I've never caught a muskie before in my life. This fish was only, I mean, it may not even have been three feet. Maybe It was between 32 inches, 36 inch range. Never caught a muskie. Now, to me, that was a trophy catch. You know, the, the fish of a thousand casts. I actually caught one. That would have been another one to get mounted, even though it's not a monster, but how often do you can you actually sit there and say, especially when you're not really fishing for them, that you caught a muskie? Or you caught a right. northern pike, or you caught you know, it's just a trophy is what you see in it. I've known people that sit there, I'm sitting here looking at a skullmack or a skull mount Davy Mac and I done for my buddy. First buck you ever shot is a real tall little forkhorn. But you know what? It's a trophy to him. He didn't want the rack, but we went ahead and mounted it anyway. It's the first buck he's ever killed. He's 50 years old. You know, it may not mean necessarily something to him, but it meant something to me and Dave that, you know, he shot this buck on, you know, our property, and it it, it is a trophy is what you see in it. And there's no size limit. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, big buck club or it doesn't matter if it's monster. Dave shot a monster buck this past year out of my place. I was tickled shitless that he shot. I was ecstatic. It's not a monster buck, but it's a real nice, mature deer, and I, I think I was more excited than he was when, you know, he came in and well, I thought it was bigger. I was ecstatic. It was a nice <laughs> buck, mature buck. Just, you know, a trophy is what you look into it as, you know. It doesn't have to be world-class fish, deer, turkey, anything. It is what it is, you know. If, if you're happy and ecstatic with it, That's all that matters. Kids, anything. The kids are excited for catching a little bluegill. That's a trophy in their book. And, you know, that's how you keep these, you know, younger kids growing up being hunter, fisherman, outdoorsman, stuff like that.
0: That's right. And by the time you get home, you know, that little bluegill, you know, the size of the palm of your hand, (laughs) it turns into a 10-pounder easy. Yes, uh, so. It doesn't
3: matter if you're a little kid or not. That's kind of what happens anyway.
2: <laughs>
3: you be a 30 year old man, like, yeah, I caught this uh, bluegill. It's actually about the size of my hand. By the time we get home, it's, it's, it's pretty much up to your shoulder.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that happens with more than just fish, so. Yeah, yes, exactly.
2: We'd no. like to dream, wouldn't we? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Speaking of truth, you know, what you make of it, uh I you know, almost I was thinking about getting my deer mounted this year that I had shot, um, but then everyone started laughing at me because it was a doe. But it was my first <laughs> deer I ever shot, so I was thinking about, you know, going ahead and getting a mountain. And...
3: A good friend with of mine it, No, there isn't. A good friend of mine actually, his son, shot a nice buck this year, but his first deer was a doe and his dad promised him. Your first deer you shoot, I'll get it mounted. And he's got, like, four buck mounts in his living room and a doe mount because he said, you know what, first deer you shot, he went ahead and got that doe mount, you know, this full head, you know, doe mount. Beautiful mount, but it's a doe. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, when my daughter Emily is old enough and she shoots her first deer, by God, you're going to get it mounted. And that's it. It doesn't matter if it's a button buck. It doesn't matter if it's a spike. It doesn't matter if it's a doe. You're getting it mounted, you know, it, it's your for, first deer. My first deer is a little basket rack, eight point. Actually, I think it's seven point. It's in my living room right now. Actually, it's in my daughter's playroom, which is off my living room. But it's in there right now. My first deer, I wanted to get mounted. It didn't matter what it cost. I was getting it mounted. as my first deer. And that's the best way to, you know... Emily could be older and she gets a dough or, you know, your kids could be older and get a dough and they come in and say, yep, that's my deer hanging up on the wall. Because it's one of those things that when it's sitting there, people are going to ask questions like, oh, yeah, where did you get that? Or what did you do? Or, you know, and it's a conversation starter and they're proud of it no matter what it is. A trophy is what, you know, a trophy is what you put into it. No, that's awesome, guys. That's so true.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well shoot so guys one, uh before go ahead. we end this real quick yeah.
1: um what is you know your your best fishing story that you got your, your most memorable catch your most catches you know the biggest fight what's the one that sticks out you know in your mind the most go ahead
2: dave <laughs> uh <laughs> i've got so what? many let's see here uh I'll probably one of the most good. ones that stick out in my mouth, right in my head now, is uh, I, I was on a fishing trip with my friends. We went to Pennsylvania.
0: His,
2: his family owns a, a cabin. It's it's on a, it's called Pennsylvania. It's a, in Weikert, Pennsylvania. Beautiful setting in the mountains. And we were up there trout fishing, or what we thought we were going to be doing is trout fishing. Didn't seem to catch any trout. Um, I ended up taking all my normal river fishing stuff from here, taking it up there, and I, uh, I, uh, pretty much, I, I caught a, a ton of fish, but, uh, the second day we were out, we walked down to a part we hadn't been in yet, and it was a little dead-end little hole there where it was back washing the creek. I cast it in, and I hooked into some, I had no idea what it was, finally got it onto the bait. it ended up being a, uh, what's called a chain pickerel. Looks a lot like a, uh, I guess it'd be like a muskie or a, uh, a northern pike, something like that, and, uh, I, first type of fish that I got ever caught, and, uh, I'll never, ever forget it, I mean, they'd never swam the creek, no, they'd never heard anybody catching one, and for the longest time, I told everybody it was a northern pike, until I, I talked to his dad, and he's like, yeah, that's a pickerel, so, and they acted like it was some kind of dirt fish or something, but, uh, I was still pretty proud of it, the only sad part behind the whole story was, it's another one of them, uh, taking pictures and forget about it, but, uh, My buddy that took a picture, (laughs) he put the camera in his pocket, and we were wading that river later that day, and he tripped over a big rock and ruined the camera. And I I never got a picture of the damn fish. So another one of my stories again of fish I caught and never had to show anybody.
3: Well, I, I guess my story is going to be the one that got away, just to, you know, leave everybody hanging. Um, South Carolina, we're out on a fishing charter. We have a boat and everything down there, but it's kind of nice to go out with the charters because you learn how to, you know, kind of use the lake a little bit more. Know where the fish are biting, which area they're biting. Now, Lake Marion's 110,000 acres. It's not a little lake. So, going out with the charters is actually kind of nice. You know, you can, you know, you hit them a couple times, like spring, summer, fall, and you can see the progression of fish down the lake or up the lake or whatever it is, you know, for different times of season. Plus where they're fishing and how they're fishing is different. Well, we were down there. Here's my fish that got away story. We were down there, and we were – the river channel, Santee River, runs right through Lake Marion. It cuts on our side of the river right outside of our cove. So when we get a heavy rain, it floods up, and it it turns chocolate milk. The other side of the river, the lake, is clear. Well – we were down there doing a catfish charter and we were out Boudreaux, who is the the guide, Boudreaux. His name's Nathan actually, but everybody calls him Boudreau. We were out there, big old boy. We we're out there fishing and the rod just buried. We didn't even have the rod buried. We were sitting there right on the edge of the uh the river channel. You can see it in the fish finder. The rod buried. All I heard was a clank. And the clank was the rod have getting bent underneath the pontoon. I mean we're talking heavy duty, like damn near ocean liner. You know, big, heavy duty, uh, ugly stick rod. Got bent over, clank. I picked up the rod. I'm a pretty good sized guy. I'm not as big as Corey and Matt and stuff like that, but I'm six foot, two hundred and twenty pounds. I picked this rod up into my chest, and I can't even hold on to this fish. I was literally on my knees, leaning into the rail of the pontoon, because I couldn't even hold on to the rod. It took everything I had with two hands to hold on to the rod. And i stand up, and I'd reach down to reel, and I'd just lose it. I, I My left arm just could not hold that rod, and I'd lay right back into the side. So I sat there and finally farted around with this damn fish for probably 30 seconds. I, just, I, I got him off the bonnet, but I just couldn't get him in, and all of a sudden, boom, it just went limp. And I reeled up. I literally snapped this heavy-duty eagle claw hook in half. And as I'm reeling the rod up, the guy said, you broke a damn hook. matter than hell. Broke a hook. This guy's a commercial fisherman. He knows what he's doing. He's like, you know what, that was about a 70-pound calf fish. He said, it just broke the hook. And he had one other do it that year. He said, it's, it's eagle claw hooks. So, eagle claw hooks. Snapped this hook. It broke it right at the shank. It wasn't a knot because I said, you know, the hook, the hook broke off.
1: So it wasn't my knot. It wasn't my
3: line. He was right. I reeled it up. I still have the shank of that hook tied to that line where it snapped the hook in half. I mean, we're talking big boy hooks. So hmm. that, that's my fish I got away story. Oh, wow. Let's Man, see. that well,
0: was
3: like
2: Corey.
0: Yeah.
3: Snapping a big
0: boy hook is a big fish. Yeah. So uh, word to the wise then when you're going out and, you know, getting your tackle, uh, maybe, you know, steer clear of Eagle Claw. Uh,
3: Gamakatsu, your captain, baby. Gamakatsu, octopus circle, not octopus hooks, not circle hooks, but octopus circle. Dave can attest to that.
2: (laughs) Sounds like a plug to me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I should be getting paid, but yeah. I'm not. Those are the best <laughs> hooks ever put on the market when it comes to
0: catfishing.
1: <laughs> Those are the same hooks I use: octopus circle.
0: Yeah. Um, you up and use an eagle claw. Yeah. <laughs> but be, you got to catch something first, right? <laughs>
2: that's
0: right. Before that's you can, can break yeah. a hook, if you
3: use an eagle claw. Yeah, that's cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well I've got I mean, a story and then we'll we'll let Corey finish out. Um, all right. The the story was I was I was probably eleven, twelve years old, and that would have made Corey um, about eight or nine years old. And um, our dad's friend uh, he had a he went out and bought a, a brand new pontoon boat. It was one of those uh uh Cabin cruiser pontoons that so you could actually you know zip up the walls and everything and turn it into an actual sleeping cabin and uh it was it was a kick-ass boat and he took us out on Buckeye Lake and uh, you know invited us out for the whole day and we're out there and we're fishing and uh, Buckeye Lake is is here in Central Ohio and uh, so we got out on the boat and we're we're fishing and. And uh, I caught my, my very first catfish when we were out there. And uh, I caught a 21-inch catfish. It was the biggest of the day. And, you know, being, being 11, 12, you know, catching a catfish and having, you know, it was a really good fight and, you know, not knowing what to expect. Cause, you know, hell, I've only caught, you know, bass and, uh, you know, bluegill, you know, up until then, you know, never really fished for catfish. I'd never been out on a boat. It was the first time I was on a boat. And uh, uh, Corey, I think he had a a 17-incher, and uh, Dad caught a 16-inch. And, you know, getting getting Dad out, you know, actually fishing with us, um, Dad would take us fishing, but Dad didn't really care to fish. Dad did a lot of fishing when he was a kid. That was mainly his, uh, you know, summer vacations because – uh, our grandpa is a hell of a fisherman. And, uh, he's forgot more, he's forgot more about fishing than what Corey and I will ever know. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, he's, you know, from Montana and all, so they, you know, that's, you know, they used to do a lot of, you know, fly fishing and, and whatnot. But, um so anyway, you yeah, know, we, we get these, uh, we get these catfish and, uh, and, we get them all, uh, get them all home and everything, and yeah. and we take them out to grandpa's, and grandpa's going to show us you know, the correct way to to clean a catfish, because because we're so proud we kept them, we're going to eat them, and and uh, sure enough, out he breaks a board and his hammer and a nail, and uh, <laughs> he, he takes that damn nail and he you know drives it right through that catfish, right through his head. And, uh, you know, you start skinning it and everything and, you know, cutting fillets off and, you know, cuts the head off. And sure enough, you know, the head's still, you know, uh, trying to mouth breathe. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was just a great time. You know, we went ahead and we soaked them up. And the next night we had them, uh, on the grill. And we we're so proud because we we're going to eat, eat catfish that we And what's the best way to do it right there? Oh, man, once we got, you yeah, we took that very first bite, and every single one of us in the house that was trying it just about puked because it tastes just like Buckeye Lake. <laughs> it was the nastiest catfish I've ever had, and it took me a couple years before I tried catfish again. And at least the second time around, it didn't taste bad at all. But uh my uh, and Corey's great-grandparents lived next door, and sure enough, we took that catfish over to them, and we said, look, you know, this doesn't really taste right. Um, You know, if you guys would, you know, like to try a piece, you know, the, the boys caught them. And, uh, you know, sure enough, they ate it for dinner at night, and they said it was one of the best catfish that they've ever had. So, it's a good figure, you know, but, um but yeah, that, that's my story. It was a, you know, a 21-inch catfish. It tasted like shit. So... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I remember that.
1: I remember that whole thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, good old good old Tom and man that I don't know whatever happened to that pontoon boat, but I tell you what, you know, even even today, you know, cuz I mean this was early 90s when uh when we had this trip um, and you know, he bought a brand new then if I had that boat now I would think I was king shit just because it was so cool. Because everything, like I said, it, everything just zipped up, and, and man, it, it turned into a floating cabin. It was like a uh, like a tent house boat. It was the neatest thing ever.
1: Yeah, my story also takes place at uh, Buckeye Lake, but a little more uh, recent. Um, four years ago, we went out on a boat, a uh, small little fishing boat. Me and my wife and uh, a good friend of mine. And we were fishing, and we found the deep hole in Buckeye Lake, which is amazing. But I think the deep hole is like 12 feet. I don't and, even uh, think it's 12 <laughs> feet. Yeah, it's, uh, you can almost walk across that lake. But uh, there's one deep spot that I know of, and we found it, and we were using shrimp that night. And we had a brand-new package of shrimp, just bought it from Kroger. It was the frozen shrimp. Um... It still had, you know, the legs and, you know, wasn't de-veined or anything. And, uh, grabbed it and we were breaking them in half. Um and it was like a 30 count of shrimp. And, uh, we ended up running out of bait that night. We ran out of shrimp. That's what ended the, the fishing trip. We caught 48 catfish <clears throat> that night. And, uh, the biggest one, uh, we kept several. We didn't keep them all. Um was a 14 pound catfish. Um, which I caught, which was my biggest catfish that uh, you know I had caught that I could remember. Um, but, yeah, it was a, a great time, 48 catfish in one night and ran out of bait, and that's the end of the trip, and brought them home and laid them up that night and cooked them up and <coughs> drank a few cold beers with them, and they tasted fine. I loved them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess mine was just sick or something. <laughs> oh shoot. Now I'm sorry one guys.
3: One. My uh my phone dropped dead on me. My phone actually didn't drop dead. I lost connection, so I'm on Dave's phone here. So Hey, uh, no problem. Talking.
0: No problem. I just uh we'll go ahead and we'll we'll cut this podcast. I just wanted to thank you guys, you know, for all of your insight tonight. You guys have been really helpful um, you know for those who are new to fishing or for those who, are, who have been fishing all their lives you know hopefully somebody learned something and uh you know let's go ahead and get a, a forum started about fishing so uh you know we can we can share everything from uh you know the, the novice to the professional and uh you know start getting some ideas out there and uh you know I, I know you know quite a few members that are uh, pretty serious fishermen, and, uh, you know, that, you know, th- this can only grow, and, and everybody else, and, uh, and, you know, thanks, guys. You know, I, I really appreciate your time tonight. I tell
2: you what, yeah, guys, we, uh, we're glad you guys had us on. We appreciate what you're doing, and hope you guys keep up the good work, man. We, we enjoy listening to you, and enjoy being part of what you guys are doing. Yeah, and, great, uh,
3: for anybody listening out there, you better get your weapons up
0: because we're coming for you. That's right. That's right. In fact, that, that's what I was going to say is, uh, in the Survival Tech membership contest number three, uh, what you're, what you're uh, uh, vying for here is, uh, it's a Defender DVD with the Defender 1 in clear plastic um, that was supplied by, by Master Peter Brusso. And, um, you know, I want to thank him for, for supplying that, but you have one week left. Um we're recording this on, uh, Friday, what is today, the 15th? I believe it is. Yes, 15th. Yeah. We've got, uh, we've got until next Friday, next Friday at midnight. Um, the contest is over and we will have the winner, you know, probably sometime on, on, on Saturday. Um, we will post the winner. Uh right now I have my weapon up uh in the forums. Um, go and check it out. Uh you know, I've I've got a nickname on it, you know, the the name of it, I've got a description of what it is, I've got a video of it, you know, of the build and the testing. Um, and then I've got my story, you know, posted up. I think I think that's that's gonna be the hardest thing is, you know, putting together a, a clever story. Um, but you know, I've got mine up and, uh, you know, the Hulk does smash. So I, I nicknamed mine the Hulk after, uh, my boy's favorite superhero here. And, uh, you know, he helped me build it and, and everything. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty neat. You know, it's, it's pretty decent damage against a, uh, a gallon milk jug. So, and I know, I know Sean and, uh, you know, Davy Mack, they're, they're going like hell on nerves this weekend. And they're going to have some pretty kick-ass posts. So you know, for all of you out there, you know, if you want, Corey, do you remember how much um, the Defender package is? What what Peter's selling them for? I think it's twenty nine ninety five. Okay, I was going to say uh, probably thirty dollars. So if this is a, you know, I'm I'm taking care of the shipping charges. You know, whoever wins. You know, you're going to get this in the mail for free from Survival Tech and Peter Bruso. Um, it's a $30 value. And, uh, you know, all you have to do is make a weapon. And, uh, you know, I was, I was joking, uh, in an email that I sent out to the members last week saying, hey guys, you know, get, get everything up. And, uh, you know, because right now a sharpened stick will win. And, uh, Davey Mack and Sean, they're, you're really jumping the bar up, you know, I I had to get something up just to, you know, kind of, you know, hopefully, you know, get some other people thinking and everything else, you know, because I'm not eligible to win the contest. Um, Neither is Corey and uh, neither are our our wives. And, you know, uh, my wife is probably not going to make one. Uh, But anyway, um, go ahead and, and... you know, if you're not a member, become a member. Go ahead and uh, you know get your weapons up there because uh, when when Davy Mack and Sean post theirs, it sounds like theirs are going to be the ones to beat. So uh, um, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it definitely. And I I think Corey, you're building yours this weekend too, right? That's the plan. <laughs> so, so yeah, you guys have till next Friday, and uh, yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty neat, pretty neat. So, guys, I want to thank you again. And, uh, Corey, why don't you go ahead and, and send us out? So uh, until next week, uh, don't forget to check our uh, website at
1: www.survivaltech.webs.com. Send us an email at survival.tech at yahoo.com. And stay alive, America.
3: Later, guys. Later, fellas.